This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Voice of Change today, I am excited to be talking about the climate change crisis. Yes, that's right. We're going to be talking all things climate, all things faith and all things that we need to consider. We know that COP26 was that climate conference that happened by the UN in November last year, which I spoke about quite a lot, you know, on the show right here. And we know that it's important to consistently have these conversations. Once we, you know, get to a campaign or a conference, we get excited and we go, oh, yes let's look at what this conference is about let's attend or let's look at the outcomes let's see what people have been talking about but once the conference or the campaign gets over and done with we oftentimes tend to put it in the back of our minds because life is consistently changing and we know that we are you know daily fed with so much information that we're looking at and we're going okay you know moving on to the next thing what can we do but we know when it comes to the climate change crisis climate crisis as we call it we know that it's an ongoing conversation just here in South Africa, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had this huge protest against Shell and we had seismic blasting that was going to be taking place and people from all walks of life in different communities around the world, particularly here in Cape Town as well. We had support from, you know, global communities, but here in Cape Town, in Durban, on our West Coast, we were really, really active and people were really protesting and getting involved. That protest and that ability to say no to what would affect our environment negatively was this huge power that we harness together to advocate against what we consider negative for our climate, for our environment, and for our oceans. And because of doing that together, we came together and we said no to what was going to be happening. And it was stopped. Shell was stopped in their tracks. When the next boat came in and we heard more seismic blasting, which I also covered on the show with Professor Singh and we are South Africans, Martin Gilbert, we covered that so extensively and said, why should we be considerate of this and why should we care? South Africans were cared and interested. We got that stopped too. So now we need to consider taking our actions further and further and further. How much further can we go to protect our environment, not only our environment, but our climate, not only for our country, not only for our society or our nation, for our community, not only for the West Coast, but for the world. How far can we push that line? I want to say today that we need to push it all the way. Because when we are making a commitment to caring for our climate, when we are standing up to that challenge, and when we are saying within ourselves, we have to get involved and we have to stop, then we can say really, really that there's no way too far that we need to go. We know once a year, this wonderful climate conference takes place. We see the outcomes, but we also know that it's not about the conference. It's about us, our commitment. It's about our commitment to standing up and starting in our home with our family. And not only with our home and our family and with our neighbors and our street, but also with our churches. And today on the show, I'm going to be joined by Hannah Eves. Now, Hannah is a research and executive assistant at A-Russia UK, and her role includes policy coordination, working with networks of Christian organizations and denominations to encourage churches, and this is exciting, to engage with climate issues. She also helped coordinate the Climate Sunday campaign, which we're going to be talking about extensively on the show today, which was a coalition engaging the UK church in the lead up to COP26, which happened in November. And she's also 
part of the Young Christian Climate Network and took part in the relay pilgrimage to COP26. And she's going to be with me today. And we're going to get into, you know, not only what we should be considering now, but how we can do this together. Climate Sunday campaign, how churches in the UK got involved, how we in South Africa can get involved, what we need to consider and why it is important that we begin to phase out fossil fuel development, which has been a talking point for a very, very long time. We see this even now when we look at the geopolitical crisis, the war, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and this huge, huge Western, you know, reality of we are reliant on Russia for oil, for gas. And why is that a problem? Well, it's further fueling, excuse the pun, what is happening in Ukraine with the West not being able to get as involved as they would like to due to the fact that we have a problem and that problem is fossil fuel reliance. So today on the show, we're going to be touching on all of these talking points. Super important. I don't want you to go anywhere because you're going to be a climate justice warrior after Voice of Change Day. Hannah's up with me after this. Get ready. It's going to be a great one. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so lovely to have you on the show and so awesome to be talking about the climate crisis as well as what the church as well as what faith communities, just in general, what we can all do around the world. But before we get into that exciting topic today, thank you so much for being here. I hope that you're well today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. Now, you know, we when we talk about climate, it's very interesting to me because I always find that people, I don't know how it's been for you, but I find that people within the church or within faith communities often kind of start not listening because they are thinking, well, I don't, I'm not interested in, in the climate. I'm not interested in, you know, environmental issues or things like that. I think that's for conservationists or, or, you know, people <laughs> who studied geography at school, you know, what has been your experience just in general, you know, with general faith communities, generally, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about this universal church around the world. What has been your personal experience with when you, you know, get to talking about the climate and things we need to do, you know, do people still kind of have that, you know, like, oh, this doesn't really have much to do with me? Yeah, I mean, I think some people would think that. And I think it's like anything, you know, it's kind of seen as a political issue. And there'll, there'll be some who'll say, you know, that's, that's not got a place in, in the church. But, you know, it's the same as um, if you think about poverty. And uh, the church has been amazing on poverty and kind of really understanding that, the most vulnerable in our communities need our support. And it's the same with the climate. You know, the climate crisis affects those most vulnerable um, and who we've been called to look after in the biblical text. So Mm -hmm. I think that generally, you know, there are some people who are a bit more hesitant, but my experience personally has just been an unbelievably supportive um, reaction from the church. Church is really getting involved in this year up to leading up to COP26 in the UK and just really being willing to to, um, engage with this issue. So while there are some voices, I think, who'd still question it, I think actually the church are really starting to get it here in the UK. Mm. I think that's so encouraging and so positive as well, you know, to hear that. And again, obviously, I know, you know, what the listeners are probably also thinking is that it's probably different in every community or every country, you know, depending on what's happening. But we know here in South Africa as well, it's been quite exciting to see so many people getting involved in, you know, talking about the climate, the climate crisis, what we need to change. And you touched on something very important when you were speaking now, saying that, you know, what's happening with the climate and, and the earth, just environment in general does affect 
you know, people who are struggling with poverty, we know it affects women a lot. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, how, how exactly does that happen? Because maybe some of the listeners are thinking, well, how does, you know, things changing in the natural world, how does that affect people who are maybe poor? People don't really put mm-hmm. that together. Can you offer us like maybe a little bit of a deeper explanation of that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the first thing I would start by saying is that I think that we are as Christians called to love our neighbor. And I think that extends beyond our locality to our global neighbor. So we know um, from from the reports and from from evidence that um, the climate crisis is increasing the risk of extreme weather events and including heat waves, flooding um, and natural disasters like that. And what happens is that the most sort of uh, poorer communities in the global south just don't have the infrastructure to be able to handle that so then what you find is that they are most they're then most affected by that when that happens um and i think it, it is a real issue of justice for us because what you see as well is that the, the com- countries and communities that have done the least to cause the climate crisis are those who are suffering the effects most keenly and who are at the front lines so you can really see that kind of um happening on a global level um, yeah, so that, that kind of is how, how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for that. And uh, wow, such a powerful statement as well, that those who have actually done the least to impact this climate negatively, being the ones that are suffering so much. And I think that we're going to see so much more of that. But on a positive note, I know that a Russia in the UK and, you know, connecting with the church in the UK and different you know, denominations and communities collaborated on something called the Climate Sunday campaign, which was really, really exciting. So tell us a bit more about the campaign. What was it about? What happened? It sounds really, really exciting. Yeah, so Climate Sunday, that was amazing. Um, I was really involved personally. And um, basically what happened is in the lead up to, so we had COP26 in Glasgow this in, in 2021, mm-hmm. um, and a group of um, denominations in the UK and Christian organizations under the umbrella of what's known as the Environmental Issues Network of Churches in Britain and Ireland got together and said, you know, we really want to get churches engaged on this issue in this year. You know, COP is happening in our country. We know the climate crisis is urgent, and we know that the church is a powerful voice to speak into that. So what we did is we got together and we um, put together a campaign called Climate Sunday. And Climate Sunday had three elements to it. Um, the mm-hmm. first thing was where you were encouraging churches to hold services in, in their churches, you know, looking at creation care theology, looking at love of nature, love of the world as given to us by God to steward and protect. Um, and so the church, we encouraged churches to start there. And then in that service, make a commitment to long-term action on the environment. We know that these issues aren't going away just because COP's over, mm. because the things aren't happening here, but this still needs to, you know, we need long-term commitments. So that looks like signing up to a church greening scheme and Arusha UK runs one of those called Eco Church, mm-hmm. um, in which we encourage churches to green their buildings, you know, look at the way that they um, bring food into their buildings, the way they um, heat their buildings, the energies they use, um, what they're doing in the local community. So we're really, we're encouraging churches, you know, sign up to that, go for an award, you know, there's bronze, silver and gold, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of keep going with your commitment to make that changes in your communities. And then finally, we were saying to churches, you know, speak up. So we believe that the church, as part of civil society, has a really powerful voice to speak up to the government mm-hmm. and say, you know, we want climate justice now, we want concrete actions taken at COP, um, and so we were encouraging them to do that and have a go at campaigning and advocacy. 
And so through that, we said, you know, sign up to the Time is Now Declaration, add your voice to many others and kind of let's, let's kind of have a groundswell of support for, for climate action to protect our planet and to protect the most climate vulnerable. Hmm. So that was kind of the package that we held Climate Sunday. And it was super encouraging. We had over 2,300 churches um, who signed up, registered their Climate Sunday services. We took those registrations and all the stories of people doing really amazing things. We took it up to COP. We had a stall at COP. You know, we were, hmm. um, we handed, we had a really amazing service in September in Glasgow where we all got together and kind of handed in our, um, our commitments, all the things churches have been doing. We actually handed that into Dining Street at one point as well. So mm-hmm. it was an amazing way of just kind of really getting churches moving, getting them engaged. And we had some really amazing stories coming out of that, of churches, you know, bringing their local MPs down. Um, we had a church in, in Belfast, Northern Ireland, who, who wrote letters to the assembly, um, to the local politicians there. And that kind of really helped them prompt some climate legislation through. Mm. Um, so, you know, there was really great stories coming out of that. So that, that's it in a nutshell. Mm, wow, that's incredible. And, you know, this is this is important for us to realize because I don't think that oftentimes people think about it, you know, the powerful voice that we need to have and the powerful voice that we do have in impacting, you know, the world in a bigger space, you know, politically as well. Just being the church, you know, impacting policies, impacting legislation and particularly things that are important to us when we see things like like the climate crisis, when we talk about justice, when we talk about gender justice or, you know, poverty yeah. issues, when we talk about getting involved in all of these important topics and these are realities that you know people are living with every day people in the church are living with and I think it's so encouraging that you know you're saying over 2,300 churches got involved I mean that's in the UK that's a really big number and that's like a lot of churches saying and coming forward and saying we want to do something we want to be involved so now after you know the climate Sunday campaign do you find that the churches who signed up and were getting involved are continuing now on their own and you know coming up with their own ideas and doing things and still being so active and so involved in making this change yeah well we had so we had um we sort of closing up the um campaign at the start of the year we had a webinar where we had you know churches coming in and telling their stories about what they were doing and there was such an appetite we observed there of people you know really wanting to keep going and so what we've done actually at climate sundays we've left um, a legacy website which is full of resources um, which, you know, help people to continue doing services, um, climatesunday.org, and um, also, you know, includes blogs, it includes service resources, it includes information on the screening schemes, the things that I was talking about. Um, but we also got together um, as Environmental Issues Network to discern, we knew that there was an appetite within the church to keep going. And so we wanted to come together and discern what would be the big free issues that we would really encourage churches to continue campaigning on. And, and we, we, got, we decided, you know, first thing would be um, scaling down fossil fuel development. I mean, mm. we really have seen evidence in the scientific reports that we, no new, we need to have no new fossil fuels if we, if we want to keep to 1.5 degrees above global warming. Yeah. Um, of global warming. And so we basically are saying, you know, we really need to start, start with that. Um, the second one is loss and damage. And that refers to climate impacts, which are already um, irreversible, are over control and are affecting those most vulnerable. We're asking the government to give financial aid um, in response to that. 
And, and finally, what's known as an ecological conversion, which is really just about, that's about a transformation of hearts and minds towards a greater love of creation. And that came out of the, the post Ladasso Sea um, paper. And it's just all about kind of us as a church community orientating our hearts towards this. You know, if, you're, mm. if your heart's not in it, it's hard to act, you know, yeah. and it really kind of helps embolden and kind of helps um, give you a really strong foundation that all of this is rooted in the love of neighbor, love of God and love of creation. So that's mm. kind of the free issue. So we really felt that we really wanted to respond on that. And that that briefing is also available. Um, there's a briefing paper written about those free issues on the Climate Sunday website. So that were kind of two of the things that we were doing to encourage churches to keep going because, yeah, there really is an appetite for further action. Mm. Yeah, and I love that as well. You know, this is rooted in loving your neighbor, taking care of the earth, you know, and doing what God has called us to do. And so to keep going and to have that heart for it is so important. Like you say, that passion. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, otherwise you're kind of just trying to push on something and you're going, oh, well, my heart is not really in it. And I think it's so powerful. And I think that this is something that, that, you know, actually when I think about it a lot and when I meet a lot of young, younger people, because I'm still young, but when I meet, you know, teenagers that are in schools, particularly they're very, very interested in the climate change crisis and they kind of very, very involved in, in wanting to know how can they make a difference. So it is basically, you know, teenagers and school children as well that are so, so open-minded on, you know, their role in this. And, and it's quite difficult sometimes to kind of push it forward and to say, well, our, you know, our young people are super interested in this and they want to, you know, create this change. But then when we have intergenerational leadership and when we have these things often in the church or in any kind of, you know, structural field, even politically, or we see it all over, it's sometimes interesting to see how different generations need to work together and learn to work together on how to bring this together, how to bring it forward and, and kind of collaborate on all those different ideas. Because I know like schools specifically here in South Africa, it's very, very big on, you know, beach cleanups and, you know, thinking about how we are going to stop things, how we're going to do things. And just recently we had, you know, so many boats coming in here in South Africa do wanting to do seismic blasting and testing and we knew how bad that would be for the environment and people were protesting and lots of schools were involved and lots of you know children were involved and and through that protesting and through raising our voices that was able to get stopped so that the blasting didn't happen and that's really amazing you know, it's a real testimony to what we can do when we raise our voices and what we can do when we actually get involved. And I think that that's a challenge that we need to take it for all of us, you know, to say, how can I do this? How can I get involved and do better? Mm -hmm. I think that's so true. And I think that that's really kind of balancing that, you know, what you can do in your local community, because every little bit makes a difference. Every, you know, mm -hmm. every time you decide to um, go that extra mile to recycle something or to kind of make what you know you're setting an example you're you're implementing that change you want to see um and i think that was kind of something we were really focused on and in, in kind of the balance of you know speak up to the government tell them you know use your voice it's not an insignificant you're part of civil society but mm -hmm. also you know make a change in your local, local community you know because i think when churches when people see churches you know, making different decisions about how they heat their buildings or, you know, deciding to not use reusable, uh, to, to use reusable cups in their, in their um, tea and coffees. You know, that's showing an example, setting an example, and it's um, creating a culture where people, where people are, are taking those steps. And I think what you say about young people is so true. I mean, when we were at, I was up at COP26 with Russia UK and, and with the Climate Sunday team, and, um, you know, there were so many young people out on the streets, 
protesting, engaging, mm. getting involved. You felt like the, you know, the youth were, were there in Glasgow um, mm. asking their leaders to make a change. And I think we really are seeing that. And, and actually the church is very uniquely positioned as a space where people are meeting in an intergenerational way. You know, I yeah. think it is one of the places where people from all different stages of life come together. And, and I've seen that, you know, in, in Climate Sunday and, and other things I've been involved with, you know, that kind of meeting of minds. And, and um, I think that's really encouraging. Mm, definitely. It's super, super encouraging. And, you know, we're going to go to a short, short break. We want you to enjoy some music on the show today. But I also don't want you to go anywhere because Hannah is still with me after this. And we're going to be still touching on what we can do, you know, about the climate in our own communities, what we need to be thinking about. And, you know, how do we carry this forward how do we keep going how do we do this even here in south africa yes we're talking about the uk and we're talking about you know the bigger world that we're around but we have a responsibility as well here in south africa and we know that we are one of the biggest users of fossil fuels and we know that we need to start raising our voices on this i know that a lot of people have been feeling that way so we don't want you to go anywhere we want to get deeper into this after the music so enjoy and see you when we get back you're with me, Lauren Jacobs, here on Voice of Change today. Welcome to the show. If you just joined, Hannah is with me from A Russia UK, and we've been talking about, you know, the climate, and we're talking about the climate crisis, but we've also been talking about the Climate Sunday campaign that was initiated just before COP26 last year, November, and we know that it was all about, like Hannah has been sharing with us, the church getting involved and how do faith communities get involved and what can they commit to doing, and, you know, it's not just for short period of time like a campaign it's good to have that but also that we can continue to you know sustain our actions when it comes to the climate and when it comes to the climate change climate climate crisis as many people call it and what we need to be thinking about as faith community people faith from faith leaders to people that just visit churches what can we be thinking about now hannah that's a question that i actually want to bring to you if we have to simplify it and say everything that any community anywhere in the world can do to help with the climate crisis, you know, from basics, what can people be thinking about? You know, if there's a listener thinking, okay, this sounds like a very, very big topic. It sounds like something that, you know, is probably for people that really know what they're talking about, but I do want to help somehow. And, and is there practical ways that I can do this? Does it start in my home? Does it start with just me? Does it start with my family? What practical things would you say to, to someone that's listening today that's saying, okay, I need to think about my, you know, footprint on the earth. I need to think about this. What practical things would you say to them that they can begin doing in their own life to, you know, contribute positively to the climate and to this earth that we're living? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really great question. And I think the first thing I would say is that I think there is um, sometimes a temptation to think that environmentalists have to do everything perfectly nobody can do anything perfectly we know that we live in a fallen world and you know you couldn't be the perfect um you completely carbon neutral person it'd be so difficult so what i would say is an encouragement first is you know we need a lot of people doing the right thing imperfectly than a few people doing it perfectly Mm. you know starting small is totally totally legitimate and an amazing place to start um and i think so yeah start with the personal lifestyle i'd say you know little changes you could make in your home, like ways you could recycle, you know, um, look for somewhere nearby. You could do some terracycling with the sort of plastic bags you can't normally put in recycling. Oftentimes you can find places to recycle those, you know, cutting down on, on things like, 
you know, you go, cutting down on your meat, cutting down on your driving, your flying, ways you can just kind of make little changes mm. um, is a great place to start. And I think for us as Christians, what I would encourage people to start with is creation care theology, you know, have a look at some of the writings. People like John Stott have written amazing things about creation and its place in, the, in, the, in, in our thinking and kind of our need to protect it because nature is not just good for the planet it's good for us getting outside mm-hmm. having access to a green space where you can get a bit of time out and you can enjoy is is massively beneficial for our mental health mm-hmm. and for our physical health so I think look around you know and then the next step up I'd say is you know in your community where can your church get involved um, what can you be doing could you write to your local representative of government um, mm-hmm. in the UK case that would be an MP but um, you know who's who's in your locality who's your local council assembly whatever it is could you write to them ask them what they're doing invite them down to your church to see what you're doing that kind of thing and then looking up because I think that as much as we can make personal changes the governments need to make the big society-wide changes and we can't hold ourselves personally responsible for the climate crisis if um, you know if they're still subsidizing fossil fuels for example um, so then that's when you sort of look up and say, we, we need change at a government level. And that kind of all is outworkings of your personal convictions and the things you're doing in your life. And that all kind of connects in and, and you can have a holistic worldview of that. Um, so I hope, I hope that was helpful. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that it's important as well for us to then raise our voices and to put, mm-hmm. you know, put a little bit of pressure then on those who are local in local government yeah. and also those that we yeah. support and those that we know. I know here on the show, I've interviewed a number of MPs and people who really care from Christian MPs to, you know, just people who just care about the earth, care about, you know, communities. And I think that it's important to dialogue with them and to also ask them, what is happening? What are you doing, you know, about this? We are, we do care about the climate. We do care about what is happening. And I think if we can continue to have those conversations and then have those conversations in our churches, like, you know, you said right at the beginning of the show as well, I think it's so very important to have those conversations. And we always talk about preaching the importance sermons and that's not mm-hmm. just preaching sermons that you know are topical or you know inspirational or motivational but it's also about having those important you know conversations from the pulpit about justice issues you know like gender-based violence or like the climate where is our responsibility and and how can we get involved and what can we better do to be people that steward the earth well in our mandate that we are called to and I think that that's kind of a challenge that I really want people to take away from today in this conversation Mm -hmm. is to say that and to say you know when when are we hearing about very very important issues when are we hearing it shouldn't just be like you said for you know people who are involved or people who are involved in the climate or people who are involved in you know working among poor disadvantaged communities it should be for all of us as christians and i think that that's so important and i think that you know as we are we will lead up to cop 27 which is taking place in egypt later in the year you know do you guys have you know some ideas of of new things that you want to do just before cop 27 is do you feel quite excited about it you know getting the ball rolling and having this greater vision for what you guys want to take forward into cop 27 towards the end of this year for 2022 Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, one of the things we've been saying since since COP26 is that, you know, for us in the UK, the UK government remains the um, remains president of COP until COP27. Mm. So just because COP26 is over, it doesn't mean, you know, there's still plenty of scope to raise 
our voices and to um, ask for the UK government to kind of enact some of the things that were agreed. So at COP26, it was agreed that there'd be a scaling down of fossil fuels. What we want them to do is phase it out, you know, yeah. you know, strengthen that language because we know we need to get off fossil fuels quickly. Um, and I think something that's exciting about COP27 is that, you know, usually it was there were cycles um, of five years between when they would look at the nationally determined contributions of the countries. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at it again at COP27. So, you know, it's actually mm-hmm. kind of um, that timeline has kind of um, it, it's made it a bit shorter, which is so good because it matches that urgency that we mm-hmm. have. Um, and so they've also promised the financial mechanism to help those most, most climate vulnerable experiencing loss and damages and those irreversible climate impacts. And so what we're really doing is focusing on kind of holding them accountable to those those promises. That's what they've said. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting recently at the end of February, we had the most recent intergovernmental um, panel on climate changes report, which was which was a very scary report in many ways. You know, they were talking about how the kind of huge impacts that the most most climate vulnerable are feeling, you know, 40% of, of the world's population are now highly vulnerable to climate change. But mm-hmm. I think the thing to bear in mind is, first of all, they said, you know, there is a window of action. Um, if we if we act now, we can we can keep things at 1.5 if we if the governments have the courage to kind of take that action. And I think another thing to bear in mind is that governments from across the world have signed off on that report. So when you see an IPCC report, you hear the impact, you hear that, you know, we must, the, the kind of plea at the end that we must act now. Governments have signed off on that. We can hold them accountable to those words and to those findings. Hmm. So I think it'd be a real encouragement just to kind of keep going and keep that because there were small things, you know, COP26 in some ways was disappointing, but we, we did move forward on a few things. And so mm-hmm. that momentum is so important. So we at Arash UK at Climate Sunday are just encouraging churches and individuals to just really keep that pressure up because mm. it's going to be absolutely critical that we we act now and that those those promises are kept. Mm. And can we remind listeners again, we spoke about this in November, just after COP26, I had Andy on the show and we know we were talking about the outcomes of COP26 and just like you said as well, you know, some of the disappointing factors and then, you know, some of the more encouraging ones that we can do. And I just want to remind the listeners again, just from your side, if you can, for us, you know, why is it so important that, you know, we stop this development of fossil fuels and we keep that number below 1.5? That is something that we understand. But I think that for some people, they listen and they go, why is that so important? You know, we hear about it and maybe you see a documentary on TV where people are talking about it. Why is that so important that that becomes something that we begin to look at and, you know, phasing out the development of fossil fuels and that importance of doing that? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I I think, um, you know, one of the big things is, I mean, we just, so what happens is once, you know, once the more, once you get over 1.5, I mean, we're already seeing climate impacts, you know, the, the most recent report talked about losses that we're experiencing that are not irreversible. So we're seeing those impacts as we as as the as the climate warms. Every degree matters. Once we get over two two de- um, two degrees, it becomes more unpredictable. You know, we look we're seeing more extinction level um, the likelihood of more extinction level events happening. You know that that's where it becomes even scarier. So I think my mm-hmm. big encouragement is just every degree matters. We got to keep as close as we can to one point five, yeah. and then keep as you know if we go over, keep it as far down as possible because. You know, we're already seeing a huge amount of climate refugees with flooding and heat waves and droughts. 
that's just going to increase. The climate is going to become more unpredictable, you know, fl- like flooding in Australia, for example. You know, that, those kind of things are going to continue to happen. Um, so that's why it's so important to keep under 1.5. With fossil fuels, we know that they cause a huge amount of warming, that they are um, really dangerous for our planet. And I think a thing I would also say is that renewable energy can be, you know, people think that it's, it's too expensive or it's um, not properly developed, but we know it can, it can yeah. do the job. So I think that investing in that renewable energy, kind of growing to a just transition, this is a really important element of it because we don't want to leave those working in the fossil fuel industries left. You know, if we phase down, they need to be, we need to help them transition to renewable energy jobs and kind of really bring people along with us into that transition. So I think that it is really important. I mean, we've seen with the kind of skyrocketing with the, the energy crisis that's happening here. Um, mm. The faster we can get off oil and gas, the faster we can kind of um, avert that crisis. We know that having more is just not, it's not going to, it's not going to do the job. So mm. um, I think that's a really, really big one. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking as well, you know, for the listeners here in South Africa, we know that, it was quite an interesting, in September last year, Lewis Pugh became the first person to complete a swim where he swam across a ice field that was fed by one of the fastest moving glaciers in Greenland. And here's a South African. And I want to say to, you know, you who are listening today, please go and have a look at Lewis Pugh, his website. Oh, you know, go and look at his Facebook. He, you know, swam across the, the fastest moving ice glacier in Greenland all the way to Glasgow and then spoke at COP26 and spoke about, you know, he's a UN patron of the oceans. He is South African. And he said that the things that he's witnessed, you know, in Greenland doing the swim, he's been, def- you know, described as the Edmund Hillary of swimming. He swam in so many, you know, in Antarctica, just without any insulation. He's incredible. But he said the things that he has witnessed swimming in, you know, Antarctica quite a few years ago, now swimming in Greenland, you know, just the radical changes that have been observed mm-hmm. in the ocean just with his own naked eye just swimming you know just being in the water just observing what was happening was so shocking to him that you know he feels that he needs to consistently continue to speak out and I really encourage you know the listeners to go and have a look even at his Facebook page and just hear what's happening and see the beautiful pictures that he shares but why this is so important what Hannah is sharing with us today why this is important and why we need to get involved and why we need to start thinking about this on a deeper level and you know what this also Hannah brings me, you were talking about, you know, oil and gas. This brings me to what we see happening in our world right now, you know, this geopolitical crisis that we see in Ukraine and in Russia. And this is going to affect our climate. It is affecting our climate. Mm-hmm. And we know that a lot of, you know, what we see happening and a lot of nations not wanting to get involved and particularly in Europe, getting 40% of their gas from Russia, mm-hmm. they, they actually are becoming very, well, they have become reliant on Russia which means that it becomes more difficult for nations to sanction Russia or, you know, pull out in a certain way and because there's now that reliance. And if we stop and say, okay, well, let's develop renewable energy sources and solutions, there won't be these issues when we have war and when we have these crises that we see now. And, you know, how how bad is this going, this political crisis, geopolitical crisis, this invasion war that we see happening in Ukraine. How bad is this for the climate? You know, with what we see, we see consistent bombing and we see, you know, what's happening there. How bad does this really affect our climate? Is it, is it something that really does have an impact long-term? 
Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, in many ways, you know, I think, um, first of all, you know, war always um, negatively impacts the climate, like you say, with the, um, with the kind of bombs dropping, the destruction, um, the kind of destruction of biodiversity in Ukraine as well. And I mm. think a huge part of it is also the kind of, um, it, it is also the world leaders you know are now focusing on this as they should it's a crisis we mm. also still have the climate crisis that hasn't gone away um and just as the ipcc report was was published this was also happening and so it was really difficult because um obviously it's a massive humanitarian crisis and mm. rightly the world's eyes are looking at ukraine and wanting to support ukraine and and really feeling for the people there um and really wanting to do everything we can to, to help them at the same time, we have the climate crisis that's still happening and we still need urgent action on that. We still need governments to kind of um, commit money and resources and time to um, that transition towards renewable energies. And I think what you've said there about the energy crisis is huge. You know, if we, um, the dependence on, on Russian oil and gas has just really shown how we absolutely need to get off those those sources of energy and onto renewable energy. And there's plenty of scope mm. for that, even even within the UK, you know, with, with wind farms and, and things like that. So I think that it really shows that, you know, the two things that that report and the war just show the urgency of getting off fossil fuels, that, you know, the answer to both those things in many ways, is, in some ways is that. And I, and I think, you know, um, that, that being said, I do, I do really want to emphasize that obviously um, the, the biggest um one of the biggest crises of the of the war is that humanitarian crisis the things mm-hmm. that are happening to the people there mm-hmm. um but yeah Hmm. Hannah, I want to say thank you so much for this. This has been such an informational conversation that we've had today. And thank you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, your knowledge with us today. And I really pray and hope because I know that there is always hope. There's always hope as long as we we can make changes and we can do things, you know, in our faith communities all over the world, not only our faith communities, but of course today focusing on that challenge and saying to our faith communities, get involved, do what you can, where you are, start with your family, start with your own home. And I, I wish I could start with my own street because I go out every single Wednesday when, you know, it's recycling day and hardly anybody in my street recycles and we get recycling oh. bags for free, <laughs> but they, but their refuse yeah. bins are overflowing. <laughs> so oh, I'm, no. yeah. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of writing letters to them and saying, why aren't you recycling? <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, that's such a cool thing to do. Yeah. It I might think- be. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was just going to say what you said there about hope. I think that is that is so true. And and a good friend of ours, and climate scientist, Christian climate scientist, Catherine Hayhoe, said mm-hmm. about the, about the recent report. You know, hope is not the guarantee of a better future. It's the knowledge that our actions matter, and today mm-hmm. they matter more than ever. And I think that is is what it's just. I would I would add on the end of all of that about hope is that that it's it's about action and that what what you do, you writing your letter to your neighbours. You know that that action matters and, and it contributes. So yeah. that's very cool. Mm, amen. I love, love, love that. And I think, like you said again, just to have that hope and to carry it in our hearts and to do, you know, faith is action. It's action, action, mm-hmm. action all the way. And we need to take that action. And I want to say also, Hannah, thank you so much for what you are doing. Thank you for Arusha. I love what you guys are doing in the UK and all over the world. And thank you so much for that, you know, this incredible work that you continue to do and this message of hope and also change that you're bringing to the church and, and getting the churches 
involved and really pushing that forward is so, so powerful and so, so needed in this generation and for the future generation. So thank you so, so much. And I really pray that God will just bless you guys for the rest of this year and upcoming months and I really do pray that, you know, it will just be so fruitful and that we will just see so much more good things coming out. So thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's so kind. And and thank you for having me. It's been really fun to talk to you. It's such a pleasure. Take care, Hannah. You too. Bye. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm signing out of the show because you know what? It is just fantastic that we can be having this conversation together today. And I wanted to take the whole show right here, right now to speak into this reality of the fact that we are sitting in a place today where we have hope. We have hope, but we also need to take action. Faith without works is dead works. There's nothing to it if we have no work, if we don't make the changes. And I want to encourage you today, and and I'm sure you have been encouraged over and over and over again, maybe by a family member, maybe by a friend, maybe by a YouTube video you watch or a TED talk or a speaker speaking somewhere to say, what can you do to, as we always say, tread lightly upon the earth, tread lighter upon the earth. And as Hannah reminded us, it's not about doing it perfectly because we can't get it perfect. You know, it's not about trying to this standard of perfection that is impossible to have, but it's about doing the things imperfectly and doing what we can. I really, really want to encourage the listeners today to really begin to think deeply about recycling. It is something that I see many communities not getting involved in when it is here in Cape Town. Here on Cape Pulpit, we have numerous people that have shared a lot about how to recycle their different recycling organizations, their different campaigns, initiatives, school recycling, recycling that comes in to certain organizations that they get recycled and they get money back. So it's a twofold reality of getting your recycling done and also actually supporting a charity because they take in your recycling to get recycled. And I remember from a very young age, from about the age of nine, when I was in school, Quite some years ago, when I was in primary school, we used to bring all of our recycling to the school and there was dedicated moms who actually used to sort through our recycling and get containers, yes, containers, filled with recycling that would come and be collected by the school. It was powerful because the moms were actually trying to get money into the school and so they were really part of these recycling initiatives. And so I want to encourage you because I see it in my local community right here in my streets where I live. People are not interested in recycling even though we get free recycling bags handed to us every single week stuck onto our boxes and we can just put those recycling bags out it doesn't even cost us money we don't even have to buy recycling bags it gets given to us for free i want to encourage you start on the recycling start on your reusable cup and when you go and grab that coffee at your favorite coffee spot or your smoothie at your favorite smoothie bar take along a recyclable cup if you don't take a recyclable cup with you take along a reusable cup and sometimes these smoothie bars actually now offer recyclable cups that they are making out of recycled produce but also don't forget you need to recycle that recycled cup and so also we have beautiful initiatives where you can take in your old clothes to different shops you know in your malls and in our malls right down the street from us and recycle our old clothes 
start with where you can recycling and then start talking about this reality in your churches make your church space a space of an example how do we heat our building what do we do with our food that's left over that we don't sell on sundays are we selling our food in recycled containers how are we talking about the climate how are we talking about the earth or the environment in our faith communities there is so much that we can talk about hannah's given it to us all i want to encourage you to be Become an eco-warrior, a faith eco-warrior, where you do the best with what you can and give us hope, hope in our generation, but hope for the future. Our ancestors that will come after us will ask us, what did we do to leave this world a better place for them? Let us answer it, not just from a spiritual perspective, what I did spiritually, but what I also did physically, practically for the earth, for justice, for the poor communities in my community, right where I am. You've been challenged. May you accept the challenge. Until next week, it's Lauren Jacobs signing off from Voice of Change. See you then. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.